Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Thoughtful Intentions. I'm your host, Fiona Winch, and today I'm joined by Jarrell Javier. Jarrell and I recorded this while he was coming out of a bout of COVID on tour, Um, but by the time this episode comes out, it will almost be the two-year anniversary of this podcast, which is just insane to me. So um, I just wanted to quickly thank everyone for listening and for supporting me. It's been such a pleasure and and I'll celebrate further. This is just like a little uh, minor shout out to that, mostly because I can't believe how quickly this year is flying and how quickly this summer is flying. It's just wild. So can't wait to reflect on that. Um, And I have more to come this summer. I'm really excited to share with you. But for now, here's Jarrell. Born in Manila, Philippines and raised in Torrance, California, the now Brooklyn resident lives his life with his emotions on his sleeve and chaos at the helm. From originating the role of Grover on Broadway in The Lightning Thief to playing James Reynolds in the Angelica Touring Company of Hamilton, Jarrell strives to inspire other queer Asian kids in taking their spotlight by living life as boldly and deliberately as he can. Hi! Hello, it's me. It's you. Where are you right now? I didn't even ask that yet. Um, I so I'm at East Coast, but Greenville. Yeah. Oh, Greenville, oh. Carolina. Oh, nice. Okay. Um, we were supposed to leave, or everyone else in the company left yesterday, and are currently in New Orleans. But I don't fly out until tomorrow morning. So okay. So I, you- you were just getting over COVID, but like you said, you're not going to be in the show for another week because of that too. Or what, how does it work? No, I was, no, no, no. I was, I, I think at the time when we first talked, okay. I had another like week, but uh, I'm back in the show on Thursday. So oh. body's feeling fresh and I'm like going through the show just to make sure that it didn't leave my body in the 10 days, you know? Yeah. Um, Is that the longest yeah. you've had offs from the show since you started? Yeah. And like, the thing about it is, is that like, I had only been on stage, that was like my fourth week. Um, And I was, I I was like six performances in through the week. And so I was too shy from making it my fourth eight show week. And then on Sunday was when I tested positive. And I was just like, Uh... I wanted to like clear the month mark and be like, I've been in it for a month. Yeah. Do they, do they just test you guys every week? So basically, we get tested three times a week, um, like oh. every other day. Um, but if you're a close contact of someone or if you have any symptoms, we ha- we always have antigen tests. So I was a close contact, which is how I got it, I think. Um, um, I was a close contact, and then I was being tested every single day. And then for six days, I was testing negative, so I was doing the show. And then on Sunday morning, and I knew that something was up, too, because I woke up and I was just like, ooh. I, I know this feeling because I've had COVID before. I know this is your second um, time. My second time. But you know what? This time around was like a lot easier. There were no like symptoms were incredibly mild. If you had not told me that they were that it was COVID, I would have thought they were allergies. So it's not like I was suffering because, you know, thank mm-hmm. God for like science and vaccines and all that. But yeah, it was just like, I woke up that morning and I was just like, oh no. And and then I got my coffee, I did my normal routine, got to the theater and still felt like garbage. And I was just like, man, I need this coffee to kick in. And I remember I was like sitting at my station about to cover up my tattoos and be like, I wish this coffee would kick in sooner. And then our COVID safety manager was just like, hey, Jarrell, come here. And I was like, no! 
Oh no. Um, but it was, you know, oh, like no. it, it's bound to happen. And I'm I'm honestly like I'm just in a place of gratitude because it's like I'm okay. It didn't affect my sense of smell or taste this time around. And I also get to now enjoy New Orleans without the idea of like potentially yeah. getting COVID since well, also, like, now you're a part of this company at a time where I feel like they've really nailed down more protocol and just, like, how to right. manage this stuff and keep it exactly. going. And our, and our safety managers are so great. I actually went to school with one of them. I didn't know. She joined our company later than I did. Mm-hmm. And she was, like, my dresser when we did Legally Blonde. And I was like, oh, my God, girly. Hello. Um, That's yeah, so it, it, it's great. They're, they've got their shit together for the most part and like it's very much um like a system that is kind of sustainable you know what i mean yeah i just yeah. hope that like everyone stays strong for the next couple of weeks because right it, covid's high right now i know i know and it's scary i mean we both know people who have gotten cast and been like immediately replaced when there's like the show literally has to go on especially with commercial work and things like that and I mean, how have you like managed that insecurity, you know, in this time? I just, I mean, for me, I, I, I'm really good at like being delusionally positive in that, like, I almost gaslight myself into just like believing everything will be okay because it will be. (laughs) Um, It's a very, very like Pisces way to live life. But you know, like, I always think that like what is for me will always be for me and that everything that's happened in my life shouldn't have happened to me and therefore i choose to believe that like if it is meant to be it'll find itself to me and if it is not meant to be then like it'll also find its way to not be and then there's like i'm sure there's like some sort of reason behind it yeah Um, yeah is it a coping mechanism absolutely but you know what a little dose of delusion never hurt anybody (laughs) (laughs) i should add for context that drell and i met working at Orange Theory together, like within this past year, which um, is is also crazy how much has happened since I met you. So you know, much. it's not so much. In every aspect of like both of our lives. Yeah. Yeah. All around a lot has happened. And um, I think we found some solace in our winter nights at OTF together. <laughs> God, I forgot that we worked during the winter and it was just like cold all the time i know seven layers during the winter too when when things kept going breaking. into uncertain mode like uncertainty oh. breaking did you say breaking yeah because <laughs> everything was just breaking it kept flooding and it kept like everything was breaking down i was just like yo are we okay that's so funny yeah i know and it's it's funny too because i don't think i actually really told anyone at orange theory that i do this or that like just for fun so you are like totally <laughs> you're shaking your head you're like i have no idea what's going on fiona what are you doing what did you ask me to be a part of um so i'll just let you in on a little bit more detail i started this podcast like two two almost two summers ago at this point um just as a means to share like individual stories about how people got to where they are and noting the twists and turns along the way. I refer to it as a non-traditional path, if you will, um, mostly because the entertainment industry can make for like a pretty topsy-turvy path um, because you never know which step will lead you in which direction. And I know you specifically have experienced a lot of unexpected turns, mostly for the better, 
I think it seems. Um, so I just wanted to talk to you about, about all of that, about originating a role on Broadway, now being on the Hamilton tour, everything in between. So, um, yeah, that's what you signed up for. <laughs> no, I love that. I love talking about myself. Um, this is, this is great. Yeah. I know. I know. Did you, what did you want to be when you were a kid? I never asked you that. Um, okay. Did so you want to do this? The earliest memory I have of like uttering the words of, I want to be like that when I grow up. There is um, a street vendor in the Philippines that sells this dish called taho, right? Okay. It is soft. It's a soft, silky tofu beverage with like sweet sugar, like brown sugar syrup and like boba. And I, you know me, I love food. So it was like when I was, when I was younger, I was like, I want to be like that when I grow up. And my parents were like, okay, I think hopefully it will change. <laughs> but you know what, if that's what you want to be right now. That's what you, and that was the earliest thing that I remember being. And then the next was being an actor because, mm. um, you know, Filipinos, like culturally speaking, love to sing and love to perform. And the arts are very integrated in like family time and in like leisure, like whatever activities. So growing up, we would have these reunions um, on New Year's and my cousins and I would perform for money. And it was the first time I realized I can make money being loud. Really? Work. That's so Work. funny. Yeah. And like, it's like a joke because it's like, I tell my friends, like I have a group of Filipino friends from high school. I tell them, I'm like, the moment mm -hmm. that y'all have children, I'm going to make them sing for money. I'm going to be like, sing for Tito. You want $5? <laughs> you want to sing Frozen? I'll give you $10. Like, I'm about to pay these kids to perform for me. Just That's in case hilarious. some of them like me and is like, I can make money singing work you know what i mean yeah, yeah, um, yeah but yeah and then i just kind of like ever since then that was kind of the only thing that stuck i wasn't really good at anything else and unfortunately my ego prevents me from delving into an activity too deeply if i don't have a natural affinity for it <laughs> so you're you're very honest with yourself though that's that's all we can ask for i am nothing if not self-aware girl when you yeah. live life at 150 percent, you have to be it's yeah. a responsibility your genius you know <laughs> how old were you when you moved to california i was six okay. so i turned seven yeah and like you I, I don't know i don't know if I, you know this but um my first name is brian and the reason why i i'm called jarell is because in first grade when i first moved to america we had four brians in the class and my teacher was speaking english so quickly that I had no idea what the hell she said. And she was basically saying, we have four Bryans, can we call you Jarrell? It's also your first name. And I literally was just like, yeah. <laughs> I can't believe and they that, didn't that ask your parents that. first. No, because I was, I was put on the spot. I didn't like, I, I understood English because I watched The Parent Trap growing up a lot. Like we watched Disney no Channel. And yeah, that's how I learned English. Wow. And so I could understand cognitively, but I couldn't reciprocate the language yet. So yeah, I just nodded because I knew that she was just telling me if she could call me like Jarrell, but I didn't know what the words meant. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I knew the intention, but I did not know what the hell she said. How do you feel so about like, it now? Do you want to go back to Brian? Should we start calling you Brian? I think Brian is like, when I, like my favorite part about tour is that nobody knows who I am. So I get to play mysterious protagonist in the corner. Uh -huh. um, and sometimes like when I get my coffee order, I'll like tell them my name is Brian or that my name is just Jay. That's been my, my recent that's one. Fun. Yeah. And so like I, Brian is like the, I think that's the heteronormative like jock. Like that's who I am mm -hmm. when I'm at the gym. 
when I'm like living the fantasy. Oh my god, like, this is reminding me of the voices that you code switch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, and it's like it's like the accidental code switch. Like it didn't start off being Brian, but then eventually, at some point or another, like you know, there's there's a part of myself that is that aligns with that reality, no matter how small, right? And when when that small percentage does come out, I feel like that person is Brian. That's so funny. It's very like, hey, bro, what's up? <laughs> like, if I heard you on the phone saying that, I wouldn't think it was you. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And like, the thing is, like, you know, every, I get mammed so often. Sometimes mm-hmm. I just like to mess with them after and I'll be like, hey, can I get like, you know, two pods for the detergent, uh, for the dishwasher? And they'll be like, right away, man. I'm like, yeah, thank you, man. <laughs> And I know, I know that they're just like, what just happened? Yeah. Because, you know, we've had those conversations. I know, I know. Like, yeah, no. Call, we're just this like, was, what just happened? No, this was literally. Am I the facilities? Literally, like, this was most of our job together um, was calling people behind the desk. And um, and oftentimes, Joel and I would be on the phone at the same time reading the same script and like almost in tandem. And it, it threw me off so bad. Like, I couldn't help but like crack up because you're like, I'm just listening to him in my ear saying the exact same words. I'm like, I can't do this. I can't do this. Like it's going to no, no, no. mess me yeah. up so bad. That's yeah. So that's, that's, I think that's when Brian, like Brian definitely comes out. Came to be. When, yeah. Like, I mean, it's, you know, it's not a hat I wear often, but every once in a while I want to put on the hat and like, a little alter ego. It, it, yeah. And it makes me feel like, um, you know, like a part of myself always kind of prevented the other parts of myself from just living, right? Mm-hmm. So like when I was when I first started listening to like indie music, I was like, well, you don't you didn't grow up with that. Like, how come like, that's not really a part of you. That's just like something you're kind of trying on. Mm-hmm. And then that kind of begged the question of like, okay, well, then like, what is me? Right. And so like, there are facets of myself that I'm learning to accept that other parts of myself never allowed me to accept if that makes sense. Well, um, and I think yeah. like, yeah. yeah, and like the like like the whole Brian thing is like a little gateway of just like it only happens once in a blue moon, but every once in a while I am a passable heterosexual and that's also fun. Well, I think like because there's a push for people to really um come up with like a personal brand, you know, if things mm-hmm. feel like off brand for you, you're like, I can't I can't do indie music. Like that's off brand for me. And it's like, right. well, not everything has to be you know, that cohesive or like, you know, for capitalism, (laughs) it can be, you can be unique. Like like compartmentalizing everything simply because that's what has been taught. Exactly. Yeah, no, it's, um, it's definitely fun. Okay. So going back to your comment about making, um, your friend's kids sing and dance for money, (laughs) I was wondering what motivates you generally. Like, is it money? Is it recognition, knowledge, the ability to provide power, making the world a better place? Like, what are we working with here? I think, um, I mean, there's a lot of layers to that. Um, I I think, generally speaking, like, I grew up poor. And so striving for money is not necessarily the goal. It's more like striving for comfort. It's striving for, um, yeah, like just just comfort. Because like my entire life, it's not that my parents and I ever wanted to be filthy rich. 
we just like we knew what it was like to live without the things that you wanted to live with and sometimes we knew we we had to figure out how to live with the things we needed and were not available to us right so it was like there's this um cognizance for how life is when it's not comfortable and there is a, a lived experience for how life is without money so for me you know a huge factor of it is trying to do everything in my power so that i never revisit that status or that feeling ever again so yeah i'd say that like money is definitely something that strives or that pushes me to do whatever but i don't think that that's what like motivates me i i feel like my life i've been very blessed to be able to make a living doing something that actually does fulfill my soul um and and like i've also been fortunate enough to be in a position where like I am able to kind of make the idea of comfort a reality. But after having achieved that, that's when I realized that like, oh, for my entire life, money was the sole practice, but like actually what I really want is fulfillment, right? Mm -hmm. Like I I want to become the best version of myself and I am choosing to believe that by being the best version of myself, money will find me because it will inform the ways in which I can make money. So for example, for me, the more that I delved into myself and understood where my traumas lied and, and, and what my insecurities are, the more self-aware I could become, the more that I can assess a situation, figure out what my plan of action is, execute my job in a way that is authentic to myself, but also still gets the brief done. But then, you know, and then and in turn, my, my life experiences and my self-awareness allows me to navigate whatever the job in front of me is that will hopefully give me money and make me become comfortable, if that makes sense. It does make sense. And I am not surprised by your answer. If I had to um, pick for you from what I know about you, being the best version of yourself is what comes to mind, especially because of that argument that we got into with that one guy one time about why New York is so awesome. And you made such a valid case for how everyone in the city is like, trying to be better versions of themselves and that's what you like about the city and yeah. what you want for yourself yeah. yeah I just yeah I think it's just I I there was a part in high school where I was not a person that I'm very proud of I was a very hurt and very like <clears throat> you know hurt people hurt people I was a bully and it was because of things that were in my control but like I felt powerless against, if that makes sense. Mm. So with that experience, it kind of allowed me to understand the other side of the coin of like, I know how it feels to constantly compare yourself to other people. And I hated it. I knew, I knew how it felt to constantly keep an, a side eye to the person next to me and try to figure out how can I bring them down so that I rise higher. And I didn't want to feel like that or be the person who was feeling like they were being attacked. You know what I mean? Like, I but knew, that's like, that's I, so inherent to this industry. <clears throat> Yeah, it mm. is. And I think that's why like it was also that because I was like I I got a taste of the person I could become and I did not like it. Mm. And so I am doing everything in my power to choose everything deliberately so that I am in control of the person that I want to become. Mm. And I think that like once I started doing that and noticing the difference, it's like a cause and effect, you know, like I feel like um, a lot of people do things because they want a quick fix. And unfortunately, that's not the way the life works. But three years of like trying to work on myself and trying to 
be self-aware and trying to whatever, whatever, it's brought me so much more fruit than the other way ever did that now it's the only way that I can live. And like mm. the conscious decisions became habits and the old habits started to wither away. They still leak, like my natural instincts come out and that's, I mean, I've been struggling with that like on tour as well of just like certain, like when you're tired and when you're like broken down and just exhausted and fatigued, like parts of yourself you didn't realize are still there. They kind of leak a little bit, yeah. but at the end of the day, like I am a person who believes that you are your habits. And if your habits can like overpower whatever the natural instinct that leaks is, I think, I think that that's a win. We choose the people that we want to become by our actions. We are the product of our actions. And so at some point, like you realize, oh, I'm so good at like consciously deciding that I'm no longer, it's no longer a choice. It's just a habit. And yeah. I choose to believe that like, that's the way that I, li I live life. Like I will make mistakes. And when I do, I will actively choose to never make those again as best as I can. Um, yeah. And in doing so, life will just lead me the way that I need to be led. As long as I have food, as long as I am able to pay my bills, take care of my parents, like, that's all I care about. So, like, whatever. But I also love luxury goods. Like, I do. You I know. know. I, want, I want money. Like, I want, like, I, I love Prada. Like, I, I know. Love I was say. Yeah. I've seen your, I've seen your shopping cart. <laughs> oh, it's bad. It's bad. But Okay. But, yeah, but, yeah. okay you've been working consistently since graduating. Like you've earned that cash. So it's not, I, I'm not like teasing you for what you choose to spend it on. It's yours. No, no. And it's like, I also like, I don't have any other hobbies. Like that is the one, that is what I choose to pour. Like my, like my, like my garbage. on. Right. Right. right and right. also like, every single one of my expensive pieces of clothing is a trophy. Like I can tell you what I did internally to like, make me feel like I'm going to buy this now. I'm going mm -hmm. to now purchase. You know what I mean? Like, There's a story behind each piece. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And that's why I love clothing. You know, it's storytelling. You, yeah. You, you, nobody else got to know the story. Okay. So I want to hear about your um, career and just graduating college. You originated the role of Grover in The Lightning Thief on Broadway. Did mm -hmm. that come like pretty immediately after school or how did that come to be? Like I literally, this is, yeah, un I, this is not common. This is not common for a lot of people graduating yeah. MT program. So I didn't know that it was transferring to Broadway actually when I booked it. So I, I booked the national tour of mm -hmm. the lightning Thief, and I booked it a month and a half after I moved to New York city. Oh my God. And, yeah. <laughs> and then I left a month after that. So I was only in the city for two and a half months before I left for the tour. Um, which is insane to think about. Um, like this uh, is a yeah. fraction of, pe this is like such a tiny fraction of people that this happens to. <laughs> like that, Im not that immediately. Yeah. And like, cause yeah, so I, I got my agents from Showcase and then my agents were kind of like getting me to just um, audition for everything so that the casting offices could get to know me. The ones that didn't know me could get to know me and the ones that knew me could see where I am now. Mm -hmm. um, and so I was auditioning from like May to September, right? Like online. And then when I was in the city, I moved September 5th of 2018. I was auditioning in person as well. Um, but yeah, it just happened to be like, I was a lightning thief person. I read it all through high uh, middle school. Same. And um, 
Right. And so I knew it right away. I knew how I would do this if I were to do it. It was a very, like, I had been thinking about this since I first read The Lightning Thief in sixth yeah. grade. And so it was just kind of like, it was, it was one of those things where like, when you're right for it, you're right for it. And everything just kind of lined up the way that it needed to. And then halfway through the run, I booked another show with the same director. And when I was doing that show, it was called False Springs. When I was doing False Springs, that's when I got the call that said we were transferring to Broadway and that I would be originating the role. That's which was crazy. That is, a, that is crazy. It's nuts. And it was like, like that's like a pinnacle career moment for a lot of people. And I had no idea what the fuck I was doing. <laughs> like, I really didn't. Like, no, it's hilarious. I found like I found a YouTube video of you doing an interview where you talked about your audition process or your callback process. Oh you yeah, know what it's, it's like an old old video. I didn't even. No, I was stalking you. That's how I found it. <laughs> I never usually go on YouTube, but I was like, I bet Drew has stuff on YouTube. Let's see. I have, yeah, I have some stuff. I like. My my social media presence is is a little curated, um, like never I'm never like sacrificing like authenticity by any means, but it yeah. is one of those things where I'm like, I I know I I'm in the know of like what is going on Exists. about me, and that's how I like it. <laughs> so you had no idea what you're doing. Yeah, I had no idea what I was doing, and like it was just crazy because I all of the things started to think like I started to just spiral and and putting my like lots of pressure on myself which was unfair um but yeah it was just like nuts because in 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 a moment i was just like it's a limited engagement which means that we get a guaranteed four months unless sales are so bad we shut down right which a lot of broadway shows don't even get to have um like a, a set run like that right so in my head i was like okay great um and then i started thinking about it, i'm like i'm a principal i'm gonna be at the forefront of all of these things and then started freaking out about that and then started realizing that like i i'm i'm eligible for a tony which crazy like you know like i was not expecting it to happen by any means but mm -hmm. like i i'm tony eligible that was a fact at some point or another um and so yeah it was just kind of like Again, like when I tell you, like my, one of my mantras that I repeat to myself over and over again is it would be a disservice to my past to limit the potential of my future because none of the shit that happened to me is is like the norm. Like I've always somehow been the exception. And so when I am the norm, sometimes I'm like, how dare you? <laughs> I'm the exception. What do you mean? Uh -huh. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like that's why when I say a little, a dose of delusion, just I'm a delusional realist, if you That's will. That's so funny. So what yeah. was that experience once you moved to Broadway? What was that like? Did it continue to be as overwhelming as it felt? Um, I don't know. I feel like um, I didn't really get to process Broadway because right after we closed the pandemic hit. And so the time that I, like by the time, the period between us closing and the pandemic hitting was me kind of being like, I'm tired of the show. I'm happy it's over. I've been doing it for a year. I'm excited to see what's out there for me. As opposed mm -hmm. to like, I haven't, I haven't gotten over that yet. And so I didn't have, I didn't get to delve into the reflection of it yet. Right. And then when the pandemic, hit, obviously bigger things kind of came to the forefront of my consciousness. Um, but no, I think it was hard because 
I felt like the most severe case of just like imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. I just like didn't really know if I was like if I belonged up there or if I could even sing that well. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I've like. But was that like completely internalized, or was that like a response to criticism, or was both a little bit of both? Because it was like, um, I I never really got like a bad review, but I've gotten a couple of like backhanded compliments um, from like Variety magazine and like other, you know what I mean? And like a part Mm -hmm. of me is just like, well, like at least Variety magazine was talking about you. But also, like, at the same time, I was just like, yeah, but they also called me, like, not the best singer in the bunch. So I was like, okay, or something like that. I don't know, I don't know what they yeah, actually said. Yeah. But, like, it was, I think they called me not the best singer. And I was like, slay. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, oh. I just, yeah, 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 I was just, like, not pre- prepared for the roller coaster of emotions that, like, being on Broadway brings. And, like... It's also hard because you don't have a life. Like your life is the show. You have to take care of yourself. So when your friends want to go out drinking or you want to go to brunch, you can't. Um, I missed out on, and like as a person whose love language is quality time, like I was starting to feel unloved because I just could not be with other people besides my mm-hmm. castmates, whom I did love. But, you know, like I wanted yeah. to go see my muggle friends and like go get drunk on a Sunday. I forgot and- that that's what you <laughs> That's, that's yeah but like you know what I mean like you yeah, know yeah. it's like like when we went out like at Orange Theory right like mm-hmm. those like that kind of hangout where like no one knew what blocking was yeah you know what I mean like I just didn't want to think about anything about our careers I just wanted to like exist as a weirdo who, mm-hmm. who happened to do this for a living as opposed to like a an actor in New York City I remember when I first met you and you were just like coming off of a day of volleyball and and like how much that meant to you yeah I'm playing volleyball with the muggles like <laughs> they don't it, know they it, don't know I'm an actor so much joy and like and not because like um I'm not I'm not saying that I'm like oh I hate actors I hate around them or whatever I think it's just like I like the um the dynamic when I am like one of like many subgroups within a group of people right like i don't it's not that i need to be the only actor in a group or the only loud one or the only one whatever but i like it to just be a mix of people who have just one thing in common like an activity mm-hmm. or a love for something and so that way it's it's a lot more diverse but we all have that common thread of like i love volleyball or i love fitness or i love mm-hmm. meditating like I, that's kind of how i find my communities in that like I like it when it's as diverse as it can be, but we all share this one niche love. And then that's how we get to know each other. Um, But yeah, I just like, I really miss my humanity when I was on Broadway. I didn't get to have friends. Mm. That kind of sucked. That's so interesting. That's such a stark contrast too, of of being, like doing that and then going into quarantine. Like what a transition. It was, yeah. And I think that's kind of what's, what, um, brought forth the like enlightenment if you will i meditated a lot during like quarantine and everything and and i that i think that's why i became self-aware that's how i became self-aware is because i was forced to be in isolation and i i started just started asking why simple why questions like why do i feel that way why do i feel bad all the time and then just letting every day 20 minutes 10 minutes whatever just allowing myself to ramble and try to figure out 
some sort of solution that makes it feel or gives me that like catharsis of like, oh, mm. I see. And then the more that I learned about those things, like the more that I kind of was able to apply it to like other patterns in my life of like, oh, I understand why, because this also happened in this, 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 and this, and this all stems from boop, 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 boop. And so like, it was just like, I was already in a place of like not knowing what was happening. And then, and then the pandemic hit. And I also did recreational um, mushrooms um, right after I closed Broadway. And mm-hmm. that helped a lot. That's what, that's <laughs> really what flipped my world 180 because that wow. was, that was the catalyst of asking the why, because mm. there were a lot of things that came up during that um, period, like that good old trip uh-huh. that really changed my perspective on everything, like 180. Really? And it, it happened on January 11th. 2020 that was like right before everything yeah because we closed january 5th really because of the pandemic or just no because four month limited run period oh right right right. you said that okay so pre-pandemic drow how does how how does this compare now like after that growth, after that trip and all the meditation, like, do you feel like a different performer too outside of, you know, I your life? You do? I do. I, I, I just, I, I took an acting course with this guy. Um, his name is JJ Perez, or that's what we call him. And he really helped me like through that journey of just being of like seeing the the world through my lens and my lens only. Right. And I didn't realize it, but I had so many walls up about like just really allowing myself to exist. And I found that like with with like TV and film acting, like I was so put on and it was like blatantly captured by the camera because you can't really like hide. I think that's what like people don't realize if you're like if you're not someone who does it like you don't Mm -hmm. realize it but like being acting like yourself on camera is like the hardest fucking thing but i didn't realize it that like the reason why it was the hardest thing is because i was filtering so much of who i am and what Mm -hmm. i like and like the other parts of myself and he just really like he kept giving me like gay scenes and I thought it was like, I spoke up and I was like, are you just like, am I just supposed to flirt with everyone? And they're like, like he was like, I got mad one day cause wow. something was just not, yeah. not like mad, mad, but I was just like, I'm like, am I just supposed to flirt with everyone? Because I'm trying to give you colors and it's just like, it's never, and he goes, I'm just like trying to let you know that you do not need to see the world through any lens, but your own. You don't have to flirt with them. I'm just saying that in this scenario, you could, if you wanted to. And he was, and I was like, huh. And I didn't realize it, but I always shied away from flirting like as a choice because as Mm. a person in my real life, I was not comfortable with my relationship with like men. Mm -hmm. And that was like, that was a, that like happened. And ever since then, it kind of made me realize, I'm like, oh shit, I didn't even realize that there are parts of myself that I'm uncomfortable with in this manner. It's so interesting that you like figured that out through acting though. But remember what I told you by trying to become the best self, I believe that like it'll work itself out. Right. And like everything that was happening in that acting class, I was going through a direct parallel in my personal life, which is why I'm like, I'm telling you my life, like, I don't know who's writing, but she's a (laughs) 
I always say that I'm the protagonist and then I get mm -hmm. like incredibly offended when there's conflict. And I'm just uh -huh. like, well, like, usually you want it to be the protagonist. The protagonist gets the conflict. Um, You're so funny. But yeah, it was like, yeah, it's just insane because it's like, I, like if ignorance is bliss, I wouldn't say that I was completely ignorant pre-pandemic. I just, there was this looming feeling and I didn't understand why I was feeling that feeling. And now there's this acceptance, right? Because it's not so much that I want, I need the feeling to go away, but by knowing where that feeling stems from, it gives me like comfort to be, to be okay in the present of like, even though I'm working on that thing that is causing me discomfort, I am aware that it is an active daily diligent type of like, Thing that I Discipline. am currently working on. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so it's just like, yeah, it just, it gives me the ease because I'm aware of it, but I'm also okay with the process of being uncomfortable with it in the, because yeah, I in know the what it is. Right, right, right. right. So, so do you think I'm ignorance like, is bliss or do you think knowledge is power? Because I love this debate. <laughs> um, I think it depends on what you as a person deem more valuable. Um, because if your personal happiness is what you value, then yes, ignorance is absolute bliss because nothing is wrong in once upon a time world. You know, we teach this in acting at yeah. the top of the scene, nothing is wrong. And it's because you don't know anything. But the thing is, is if what you prioritize is growth and personal growth, then like knowledge is powerful because there's always room for you to grow. Right. That's such a great growth, answer. Thank you. Because like, like for me, like I like I'm a person who strives for growth. Growth yeah. is uncomfortable. Growth is 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 awful and it hurts and it sucks and it just mm -hmm. it, it sucks. But at the end of the day, I don't look back at my past and wish that I was back there ever. Yeah, I am with you. Yeah, yeah, totally. So like, yeah, I would rather go through the pain now and enjoy my future or my present. Right. Than to to be in a state of ignorance and be blissfully in the moment or just be blissful in that state, but not know how much happier you could be by not delving deeper. Right, yeah, yeah, that's great. Well, okay, one of the other milestones that I think proves that you are also the protagonist of um, our all of our stories, clearly, um, <laughs> is that you booked Hamilton after being in the running for six years. What yeah. is that about? So, so I was, what is that about? Truthfully speaking, I wasn't ready. I really wasn't. Like knowing what the show required. You mean like now or like? Oh no, I'm ago. ready. Like I was ready now. Like up until okay. like booking the show. Yeah, I was just not ready. Like knowing what the that's such a good feeling though. Like that is a good, like yeah. This is in terms of our no ignorance is bliss, knowledge is power thing. But knowing that now, I feel like you get to put some of that previous doubt to rest. Yes. And that resentment, because that's yeah. what happened. Like, I didn't know the show before being hired because I was resentful that they kept calling me back and then not hiring me. Right. And so I was bitter at the oh result my and placed my relationship with the show mm -hmm. because of that. When in reality, like looking back at my old tapes, because I still had them, like um, looking back at my old tapes, I just wasn't ready. Like I was not in a place internally or like in my abilities to to bring this story in the way that it needs to be brought. Mm. And that's not anything shameful. It's just an incompatibility issue. Like, you know, if someone were trying to run a marathon, you wouldn't bring someone who hadn't run in years to go and run it just willy nilly. 
you mm-hmm. need to train for it. There's a there's an endurance. There's a there's a, a a whole process to even get yourself mentally, physically. Trained. But you come out of that school and you think that thing. you've trained. You think that you're ready for that stuff right out of school. Wait, I think what people forget is that school's not. You're not meant to leave college with a fully set arsenal. You're meant to leave leave with a foundation. You're not done building the house yet, girl. You just got the foundation mm-hmm. laid. That's when the that's when the real shit happens, you know? That's when everything yeah. else is like on top of that. But that's like people think that like because we have such young stars, right? Like we have people like Renee and Andrew Barthelman who like literally just like went high school to Broadway. Right. That they need to like hurry up or that they need to be product ready now. And it's like, no, dude, it's a process. Like enjoy it. Like you're gonna do this for the rest of your life, probably, or at least be around it for the rest of your life, probably. So like you don't need to really rush into it. It's just like I I'm very grateful for for my trajectory. Obviously, I got to kind of do it in the way that people dream of. But it, you know, like there are things, there are experiences I wish I also got to experience. That is that would have been conducive to my character and my humanity. Sure, totally. Uh, yeah, there's always two sides of the coin. What did it feel like? to finally get that call though after oh, those six God. years I yelled so loudly <laughs> um yeah it was just like i i i knew it i knew that i was gonna book it this time around when i got the call or when i got the email to get size i was like if, if i don't book it now with who i am today with how much i know about myself and what i want to do with my artistry i was just like we're just not compatible like it was gonna be it was literally that i drew the line in the sand and i was like I'm going to earnestly try with as much as I can. I'm going to do as much work as I could possibly do on these sides. I'm going to just, I'm going to like be extra vulnerable and put in as much effort as I could possibly do. And that's another thing I learned is that like sometimes I don't put in the effort as a way to deflect, right? Of like being like, well, I didn't want it anyway. I only put in like half the work. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, I'm going to be very vulnerable and put my work out there to be judged and to be viewed. And if I don't book it now, it's not meant to be. And then I, I got the, the final call back and I did it in my living room. I told my roommates, don't be home. I don't care where you go. Go. I'll pay for your Uber, pay for your dinner. Don't be home. I need the house completely yeah. empty. Locking the cat in the room. No, go. Leave. I mean, this um, like six years. Six years that and is an crazy. hour. Call. I was on Zoom for an hour. I sang for 45 minutes straight. Wow. Like, I think it, I think I sang like 12 sides and we did each side maybe like twice and it's like King George's song it's like story of tonight it's like high stuff because do you just feel like, like you felt more comfortable doing it at home absolutely and I felt comfortable knowing that like I it I cared but I also didn't care I was doing it for myself at that point I was just like I just wanted to prove that I could do this because this is something that I obviously haven't been doing yet. So I was like, cool, I'm gonna lay it all out. I'm gonna make a choice. It's gonna be fun. If they don't like it, well, guess what? They didn't like the other six tapes that I sent in the last six years either. So like, might as well make a new choice. Mm-hmm. So it was just mm-hmm. kind of like, there was this, I was in, I was in the, the sweet, sweet spot of an actor where you care so much that you just allow yourself to play. And it was like, it just happened. And I was like, as soon as I got off, I, as soon as I got off of the Zoom call, I was like, "If I didn't book that, they really don't want me because that was that was everything. That was as best as I could do it." 
I'm so happy for you. I'm so glad it worked out. Thank you. Thank you. Me too. I think if it didn't, I would, I would have been happy in Brooklyn anyway. <laughs> well, that's a I, good, that's a good feeling. I think so. Yeah. I would have, you know, like I, I miss Brooklyn so much. I miss Williamsburg like no other. You don't even know. Really? It misses yeah. you. It just doesn't like, I, I love traveling and I love exploring new cities, but mm -hmm. I just started putting down my roots in Brooklyn and, you know, and then obviously life happens and you do right. what you got. But. Yeah. 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 And you mentioned too, the, um, importance of being a human outside of being an actor, which we touched on. And also the concept of failing forward, which I feel like as you're discussing this whole callback audition scenario, feels like that's like a little bit not feeling forward just, but like going forward, knowing if this is considered a failure by others, then it's all right. good. Like this is, I'm, I'm doing what I can. And it's also just like, it, I, I like the concept of making different mistakes, right? Of like, especially with this show, like girl, my, my debut night, when I first debuted the show, I made so many mistakes and I, I asked one of my castmates, I was like, does the show ever stop feeling like this? And he just goes, um, yep. And you know what? You already said earlier, you're not going to make those same mistakes again. And so tomorrow you're going to go on stage and you're going to make different mistakes. And every single day you are going to refine your performance to the point where your mm -hmm. mistakes are, whether or not your foot was like two inches away from your mark. And that'll become the game. And that is Hamilton. And I was like, crap work. Okay. Well, I mean, I, it's good to hear that they're not like, you know, too critical about those mistakes. Like everyone seems to understand what everyone, you're I, like, doing. Hamilton asks 120% from every single person involved, involved. Like if you are in Hamilton in any capacity, it requires you to not only be a master of your craft, whatever that craft may be, mm -hmm. um, but it also asks you to be as flexible as you can be because it is an ever moving puzzle. And the thing is, is like your, your job is to just keep the puzzle going. And, and at some point or another, that becomes second nature because you just know so many of the moving parts. You're, you're like that girl who's just like in the kitchen. It's just like, but you know, your first days in the kitchen, mm -hmm. it feels like you're like, where's the knife? <laughs> you know what I mean and yeah. that's what it felt like and then and I understood and like people told me that right earlier yeah. in the process but I was just like no it feels horrible I'm so bad and then now that I'm in the show I'm like oh I get it okay so we'll see I learned my third track on Friday I start learning Mulligan Madison which so, is so right now you're doing James Reynolds and and then and I then... do Lawrence Phillip and then I learned Mulligan wow. Madison on Friday, and then I'll probably have like five weeks to learn that. And then I'll, and then I have to learn Laugh Jeff again um, after that. And then that'll probably be another five weeks. And then what's hard about it is that like you learn the other part during the daytime, but you're fair game for any of the tracks at night. And then I also always do Man Five or James Reynolds eight times a week. So at any given point, my brain is just. How do you take care of yourself? Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I, I think that's what I'm figuring out. Right now. How do I take care of myself? Because yeah. I, everything that I thought self-care was isn't necessarily what self-care is on the road and with the show. And so, yeah, I think that's, that is the question that I'm currently delving into is like, how do I take care of myself to make this as sustainable and enjoyable as possible? Yeah. You know? I mean, 
not only just like exhaustion, but like on your body too. Like that's, that's a really tough on your body. It's, it's hard. And also like I'm, I'm young ish, you know, I'm 26. So like, I'm like right in that sweet spot where I, I'm just about to turn in like a couple of years. So I have to be very, very diligent about taking care of myself so that when I start to turn like in that thirties range, I'm not undoing what I should have been doing in my twenties. Mm-hmm. It's just like, yeah. I'm yeah. dealing with a lot of preventative care because I'm fine now, but will I be fine in six months? Will but I this, is, I mean, it's nice that you're thinking about it now rather than when you're in crunch mode and like stressing yourself out about it. You're like, I'm just going to lay these little breadcrumbs and, right. and like set myself, my future self up for success as much as I can, as much as is, is in my control, you know, I'm doing what I can. Right. I think, yeah. I think that's kind of the way that my brain works because I'm just so ADHD to the point where I'm like, if I don't have this written down, like I have so many notes that I don't know what it means, but like I <laughs> write it down and I'm just like, what do you mean get potatoes? What does that mean? Why do I have to get potatoes? Were you starting a shopping list? It just says get potatoes. That's so funny. That, yeah, I love that. I, I love get potatoes, apparently. I would love to read your notes. <laughs> it's so funny. Like half of them are passwords. But the other apps are like literal, just like get potatoes. And you're just like, is this a password for something? Or is it actually get potatoes? Like, it's so stupid. That's hilarious. Um, okay. So as you think about this future for yourself, like, did you, and I, and I ask this because like, it's something I've struggled with and it's something I asked my last guest, but did you ever, or do you ever have a hard time visualizing what you want in the future? Like visualizing, like seeing it in your mind's eye, because I struggled with that for a long time. And I was like on vacation in Cancun and like for the first time I could picture myself like with a comfortable living and like the lifestyle that I wanted. And that's all like it wasn't like a drastic, you know, vision that I made up. But I was like, oh, my God, wow, I can actually see it for the first time. No, I am. I've never had any problems envisioning what I wanted. I don't think it's a full picture, but I have a shopping cart essentially, right? Of any time I like something that I either see someone has, or if it's if it's in my consciousness, like if I've intaken it, I've decided whether or not I wanted it, and then I just put it in the shopping cart. What, how I can make it happen, I have no idea, but I know that there there is a huge list of just things that I know I would like. And if I can, if I can have it, and if it's like a thing that I can make happen, I will make it happen. At okay. Some point or Two things from your shopping cart. One, your next purchase that you want to make. And two, your dream show or role. Okay. Shopping cart. Like, okay. So, um, next thing that I'm going to purchase, I have four different items depending on so I, I, my shopping criteria is very, very specific. Um, I, I shop very deliberately. There is a huge list of questions that it has to fulfill. And really? there, yeah. So like it has to, like for clothing, it has to serve a completely different purpose than anything I already have. If it's in the same color, it must differ in cut, it must differ in fit, or it must differ in material. Um, if it is um, a shoe, it has to serve serve again, a purpose that no other shoe can do. And that's regardless of color, because if I have like a long top boot that's in purple, it will then instigate like 
I, I, I will then work around the purpleness to use it. And then therefore I can't have any other shoes. So I have to be very careful because once I buy it, I'm stuck with it. I love how right? methodical you are. I, and I, well, that's the thing is that like, I, I become very obsessed of, of dissecting and parsing things and finding out what makes things tick. So for me, it's dissecting like what makes my brain tick and by articulating it, it kind of gives me like power over it. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, um, next thing that I'm going to buy is probably either a camera, um, th that's in the forefront, um, for shoes, it would be a black tabby boot. You know, I have my little like toe uh -huh. thing, <laughs> yeah. but I don't have a pair, I don't have a pair of black boots yet. Mm. And I love Mason Margiela. It's one of my favorite houses. Um, and the black tabby boot would be easy to dress up, dress down. It doesn't serve any, it doesn't um, clash with anything that is in my closet. Everything in my closet would work with it. It serves a completely different purpose than anything that I have with me or back in New York. So I'm probably going to get those or the Balenciaga cap. But the thing about the Balenciaga cap is that I have a lot of caps. And so it has to be a very specific cap that none of these hats could like, serve, uh -huh, like, uh, uh -huh. utilize, yeah, yeah. whatever. Um, but yeah, How the heck are you like, living out of a suitcase? Um, I only, I packed very lightly this tour. Huh. Um, so I, and we have a trunk that you can like put your stuff in. So oh, like, true, all my true. Stuff in trunk. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I was very deliberate with my t-shirt choices. Everything had to double, had to have at least two uses, if not more, right? Like everything mm -hmm. goes with everything. It's a very like, it's a highly curated capsule wardrobe. I love that. Okay. Second thing in your cart, dream role or dream show? Um, I would want um, to be a series regular in a cultural phenomenon. I don't like, it would have to be new. It would have to be something like, I don't need it to be like Friends where it becomes like the new normal, but I want it to be like Shit's Creek where the writing is great and the costuming is delicious. Um, I love that description. <laughs> yeah, because I want I want the fashion to be like, like um, Search Party. Search Party's costuming is incredible. It's brilliant. And like, I want to work on a show where I can not only get to wear incredible garments that I would want to keep after, but then I get to converse with people who work in this world for free. Mm. I just get to be with them and pick their brain and like talk to someone who's more knowledgeable in something that I really love and then get to learn from them. So the ideal show would be a series regular, um, cultural phenomenon, good witty writing, and great costuming. I love that this is so specific and also like broad enough that we're not sure what, what it's going to be. Yeah, we'll yeah. find out. I think, yeah, it's again, it's like delusional realist. I know that it's like, I don't have control over what I want to work on, but I can like, yeah. have broad likes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really helpful. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, okay, well, I don't want to keep you all night, but oh, man, I have a few questions. I'm sorry. I talk a lot. I'm really sorry. No, are you kidding me? I was like so excited to talk to you for that reason. <laughs> I love it when people talk more. One of them is like advice, one of, and then two of them are silly. So, um okay favorite snack just rapid fire um frozen grapes sour patch kids kinder bueno white okay you're stuck on a desert island what three things would you have with you desert island yeah a car um <laughs> no 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 i'm not asking what things would you bring with you what things would you just have with you okay uh okay, fine <laughs> um desert um 
Um, there's is there like a, a water source nearby? Yeah. Okay, so a Brita filter, <laughs> um, like a container, uh-huh. and then a machete and um, a cast iron skillet. Practical. Yeah, well, bitch. I mean, if we're in the fucking <laughs> desert, you got a sur- survivor. Okay, what if the desert island? You were only there for like a weekend. Okay, only a weekend. Yeah, I would desert island. I would bring an Still umbrella. Hmm. Um. Your ukulele. No, a notebook with a pen. Hmm. And. A camera. Okay. I like those too. All right. And what advice would you give someone wanting to pursue a career similar to yours? Um, <laughs> damn. Um, If it hurts your soul, it may not be for you. And that goes with anything. I, f- I feel like um, a lot of the reasons why a lot of our peers exit the, the industry is not because they're not talented. It's because of the way they were treated. It's because of things that they're seeing others being treated. Um, it's usually like a, 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 a spiritual or an ethical or a moral dilemma and I think that like, if anyone is trying to pursue a career in it, like they have to be honest with themselves. And if it if it is hurting your soul, then maybe like a different, is that, uh, what is it called? Pessimistic. I feel like I should be encouraging. Well, I think you can say, I think you can like caveat it with like, for now, you know? For now, or like, I don't know. I'm surprised actually that that's where my mind first go. I usually just like um, will stay the beginning of a sentence and then hope that I find it. But that went really dark. Um, <laughs> well, listen, I will validate it really fast because that pursuit was hurting my soul and not not working for me. And do I think that means forever though? No. Right. But like I'm notably more grounded and using my other talents in other ways that I'm happy with now you know right but again like I don't know that anything is necessarily permanent I yeah I think I think where my thought process was going is that like I immediately wanted to be like don't do it (laughs) and then I realized I'm like but no like this job has given me a lot of joys and the greatest of people and including the ones that I meet when I'm not working like a show right like I meet Mm -hmm. the best people in my muggle jobs all the time and it's usually because so what makes you think like what makes you think don't do it just because it's I just hard I think I I think about the the downs that I've had Mm. and if I've had downs that bad with the amount of successes that I currently have then I think about all the people who have had probably worse downs and none of the successes to even it out. And I I wouldn't wish that upon anyone because I know that for me, my downs have made me question my self-doubt, have made me question my self-worth, have made me question whether or not I was like 
worthy of anything, right? And so like, I wouldn't wish the things that I felt at an exacerbated level to anyone. And so to spare someone of that pain, I would tell them not to do it. However, it's a little projection. It's a little projection. And also like for me, like I also believe that like to feel great joy requires great risk, right? And like in order to feel the greatest of joys, the loves of loves, you must have your heart broken. You must feel the sadness. Like there is a, there's a magnitude that has to happen in the opposite side of the spectrum for you to be able to increase the magnitude of the other side of the spectrum. And so, you know, therein lies like the ambivalence of like, well, I wouldn't want to wish that pain upon somebody, but I would wish the joys that this job has brought me. I would wish that love upon somebody else. I mean, great joys for great risk. That's a, that's a piece of advice in itself. Well, then let's take that one and run with it. <laughs> like, I know. I mean, both have merit. I just like, and I hear totally where you're coming from. I feel like in my experience, the like, I, I always harp on this. If, if you could see yourself doing anything else, don't do theater. I hated that line, yeah. but you know, like growing up, that's just something you absorb. And then you, I got tunnel vision for it, you know, but it's like, like you said, you life experiences do inform your performance anyway. Like there's other things that are valuable to your life as a performer that will serve you on stage. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's complex. And I, I, and I hear you're coming from about the lows. Um, and I certainly experienced them myself without anywhere near well, I guess maybe like let let this conversation kind of be the advice, right? Of just yeah. like this is this is what the industry will kind of give you is the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. And so if you're gonna do it, the the highs are great, but just be aware and be kind to yourself when you are at the lows. Yeah, that's a bet. That's the let's go with that. Okay, be kind okay. to yourself when you're feeling the lows. That's a good. Let's go. Like we got. I like there. that. It I like it. Little, yeah. There was a detour. We parked in the garage. We smoked a little bit. And yeah, we got there. We got there. We got there. I love it. All right, Drell, where can people find you and see you once you are back on tour? Amazing. So um, if you are going to the Hamilton website, you can look at the cast and creative team info and look at anywhere the Angelica tour is going. So check us out then. Um, on Instagram, I am Jarell underscore, J-O-R-R-E-L underscore, and the same, I believe, for TikTok. Yeah. I don't really have TikToks, but I'm trying to. Did I say this earlier? I expected more TikToks out of you during the quarantine. I was during too, your quarantine. I was way too busy just, like, crying in the corner. <laughs> it was a lot of effort. Like, the, thing about, like, I, the thing about me is that, like, I like to do as much research as I can to execute what I want to execute. And if I can't execute it to the level that makes me happy, then I just don't do it. And TikTok okay. is one of those things where I, I, I was, I lacked the finesse to make it look as cool as I wanted to. And I was just like, mm, ah. a little perfectionism, a little, a little bit, a little, just a, dash, a, lot, just of a, dash. a lot, lot of it. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I mean, I made one today, but then it got blocked because, um, I used a song that was like copywritten. So now I got oh, like, sad. I mean, it was just on Instagram, but um, I wanted to share it on Instagram, but I guess the next one, I'll just do something that's not. Well, everyone can keep an eye out for that next one. 
<laughs> we hang onto our seats. Um, all right. Well, <laughs> I know it's so funny. I just didn't even on. realize that the conversation derailed until I was like, how did we get here? Oh my God. I love it. I miss you. I miss um, you. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for listening. This has been Thoughtful Intentions with Fiona Winch and Jarell Javier. Woo! <laughs>